0: Hey, greetings everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West here and welcome to the Steadfast and Law Podcast. So uh, here's the uh, Allen West version. Watchtower Firearms, a BDRX. You can see it has the steadfast and loyal podcast logo on it. And on this side, you've got, you know, my actual digitized signature and my Army Master Parachutist wings. And of course, you got to have the American flag. And again, I mean, this is such an incredibly light weapon. I mean, I just, just can't believe it. I like the skeletized design. And this flash suppressor here is unique. Uh, they make it here in Watchtower, and it actually reduces the rise of the weapon when you fire it. So I'm just looking forward, and Magpul hard sights, and I think I'll keep hard sights on this, but uh, I'm looking forward to taking it out here and shooting it and uh, zeroing it in. And I love the skeletonized uh, hand grip here. And of course, you got the extendable, you know, butt stop. But and and I prefer this uh, forward hand grip, you know, more than anything else. I I really, I really like this. So here it is, you know, right up there next with Rob O'Neill. It's hard to believe that, but that's why America is such a great country. Where a kid born in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, can have an AR-15 design by him and with his signature on it, limited edition. So check out their website, watchtowerfirearms.com. If you want, you can purchase one of these. Hey, welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. One of the things that the progressive socialist left is very tuned in on is what I call their three branches of rule. It's the media, academia, and the judicial aspect. Back in 2018, we saw George Soros come in here and really focus on judicial races and also district attorney races. I live in Dallas County. We have a Soros-backed district attorney there by the name of John Cruzo, releasing criminals and everything. So I want to talk to a person that is running for a district attorney race here within the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex. Johnson County is just to the south of Fort Worth. And the important thing to understand is that Tarrant County is really a focus of the left. And since Johnson County is just down to the south, that also becomes collateral damage. So Timothy M. Good is here to talk to us. He is running for the district attorney of Johnson County, Texas. Timothy Good is a board certified attorney in criminal, criminal law with over a decade of experience as a prosecutor. He is a native Texan born and raised here in Fort Worth. He went undergraduate to the University of Texas Arlington and law school at that great Christian University, Liberty University in Virginia, as well as his wife is a Liberty University graduate and law school graduate. Timothy has served for the last seven years as an assistant district attorney there in Johnson County in that DA's office. And now he seeks to be the elected district attorney. And before that, he served with the Nueces County Attorney off, attorney's office in Corpus Christi, Texas, representing CPS Child Protective Services in emergency removal hearings and trials in cases of severe neglect. Timothy, thanks so much for joining us here at the and Law Podcast. Oh, thank you. Really what appreciate. What inspired you to go into the legal field?
1: I think what inspired me there is just growing up. I learned that I liked helping people. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, particularly I did uh, during uh, high school and college. I worked a job at a mall. And I learned that having specialized information about products, so I sold uh, camping and firearm stuff. And I learned that just having the information to be able to help somebody when they come in a situation saying, this is what I want to go do, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed helping people take my knowledge and meet up with it, what they want to do. And so it's kind of a service aspect.
0: Now, but in Liberty, you focused on the criminal law. Actually, no. So when when I went to Liberty, my goal,
1: I wanted to do transactional real estate (laughs) law. Oh, wow. Pretty much just like college, when you start law school, you have an idea of what you want to do. Yeah. That actually carried all the way through law school for me. I get out 2010, the real estate market, it just completely tanked. Yeah. There are no jobs for that kind of, um, for that focus. And uh, my first job out of law school was criminal defense.
0: Wonderful. Now, what did you learn from being in the criminal defense side that you think enables you and has helped you on the assistant uh, district attorney side?
1: You get to see the other side of the coin. You understand how defense attorneys think. You also understand how clients think. So I think you get to understand both sides to when as a prosecutor, Mm -hmm. a lot of it's just negotiation between the district attorney's office and defense and saying, this is what we're trying to achieve. I already kind of understand what you're trying to achieve for your client. So we can have a meeting in the minds that we can resolve the case without a trial. And then there are cases, of course, that just need to be tried.
0: Now, you first uh, had an opportunity down in Oasis County Mm -hmm. uh, with CPS. Tell us a little bit about your experiences down there in Corpus Christi. Yes, sir. Uh,
1: I really enjoyed that because it was a chance to do. They were always, I know CPS is not a very popular agency. And I think a lot of that is fairly earned uh what i did was the worst cases of abuse and neglect these are the mm-hmm. cases of drug positive birth uh, children whose siblings have been murdered by a family member or sexually abused so the other siblings need to be removed to a safe location which mm-hmm. is unfortunately foster care in that situation because that was the better of the two options mm-hmm. uh doing that i learned a lot about how the process works uh how to do jury trials how to talk to juries uh, but the thing that really just made me want to switch over to doing prosecution is As good as it is to get a kid to a safe location, there's only so much justice you can do for that child by moving that child. I really want to be on the other end of it where I said, I'm going to hold your parents accountable for what they've done.
0: Yes. Now, when you talk about, this is interesting, you just brought this up. I mean, you worked as an attorney for Child Protective Services. and You talked about, you know, holding parents accountable. You know, when I hear this stuff about, you know, because we just recently had this ruling saying that these drag queens have this constitutional right to display themselves in front of our children, to me, that is contributing to the delinquency of a minor. That's where we should be protecting our children from adults. I mean, what's to say we can't take them into a a pornographic movie theater then, if that be the case? What can you do as a district attorney in Johnson County and say, hey, you know, we're going to prosecute you if you try to have these type of adult Mm -hmm. performances in front of children?
1: there's definitely there's a injury to a child there's endangerment of a child there's ways you can do that i mean you have to also be very careful as conservatives we need to be cautious with the fact that the parental rights are very important and that's one thing i don't like the government invading parental rights now there are clear outlying cases like you've just established there where something is clearly not in the best interest of a child it's not healthy for them in those situations absolutely there should be something done by the government And step in. So, there are types of prosecution, like I said, endangering a child would be Mm -hmm. one of those Mm -hmm. uh, that you could use to enforce and to protect a child that doesn't continue on. Uh, But, like I said, it's important for a DA to be very cognizant of the power he or she has and how to use that power while also respecting parental rights. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, a lot of DAs can get involved in the middle of a custody dispute between two parents and it's a race to talk to any family law attorney. They have you sit down, then you go down to the DA's office, this is all the bad stuff I know about my soon-to-be ex-spouse, I want to get the DA involved. That's not a good use of government resources, Mm -hmm. That's also not a good uh, invasion, the government stepping into that parental situation.
0: You know, I look at what is happening in California and several other states where they're saying to parents that if you don't quote-unquote affirm this Mm -hmm. gender thing, you know, Kids under 18 can't go out and get a tattoo. No, they can't. A kid under 18 can't go out and uh, say, hey, I want some Johnny Walker Red Mm -hmm. or or buy a case of beer. And if you sell beer to them, I mean, you're going to get arrested. Absolutely. So how is it that all of a sudden you you have a government that's going to step in and say that if you don't do this thing, this ideological thing that we have, Mm -hmm. we're going to remove your children? How can you make sure that you protect parents in Johnson County from that type of uh, ideological agenda?
1: I mean, you simply just don't let it happen. Like you point out, it is a thinly veiled agenda. Like mm-hmm. you, you point at all the, you can't get alcohol, you can't buy cigarettes, yeah. you can't get a tattoo. It's clear we've fully understood that there are things that kids can't do because there are life-changing consequences to it. Yeah. They don't have the mental space uh, to understand the decisions that are going to affect them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, And so we've established that for a long time. The fact that California, one specific topic, is saying we're changing that. It's a thinly veiled veiled agenda,
0: and it doesn't comport with anything else they are doing. It's amazing that that we see that happening. Now, you've been the assistant district attorney down there in Johnson County. Tell us about some of the cases and some of the prosecutions you've been engaged in.
1: It's it's been pretty much a little bit of everything. I've done uh, five murder trials, uh, a lot of cases involving sexual abuse of children. Mm. Uh, That's a big part. I don't think people realize... In our conservative communities, we like to think the only things that happen are maybe some drug stuff over here, but things that don't really kind of affect me, affect my kids. Uh, Every county is that way. If you talk to any county, sexual abuse of children is going up. Uh, And there's a whole myriad of reasons why that's probably happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's that kind of dark secret uh, that kids are sexually abused prolifically on a weekly basis. Uh, Child pornography is also going up tremendously. Mm -hmm. I tried cases involving that. And uh, and then of course drug cases. My big push, particularly with one of the things I'm running for is, I think drugs are bad, and I completely want to hold the line on drugs. But the office that I'm running for, the current leadership position, has been what it's been since the '80s and '90s. Back we had our big push for war on drugs, and that seems to be the only push. Is still that fight, and I completely agree that back in the '80s and '90s for this country conservative counties like Johnson County drugs were the primary felony threat to the community safety but going forward that is no longer the case that's still a front we need to hold we now have multiple fronts of attack it's Mm -hmm. not just drugs it is the uh, indoctrination of our children there's a sexual abuse and predatory nature against our kids Mm -hmm. it's violent crime violent crime has been spiking all across the country and conservative places like Johnson County are not immune to that and so we need to pivot say hold the line here but also focus on the violent crime being committed against the citizens. Because honestly, when it comes down to what is more likely to happen to you and I, Mm -hmm. uh, violent crime or people going after our kids.
0: You know, it's it's amazing to me. I don't know if people would say Johnson County is a rural county. I I think it's kind of that, you know, collateral suburban county because there's incredibly a lot of growth coming down, you know, 35 West into Johnson County, out of Tarrant County and Fort Worth. Do you see a lot of issues tied to, you know, that expansion, that growth? And also, how is illegal immigration affecting you all there in Johnson County?
1: Well, so illegal immigration definitely affects Johnson County, uh, as well as narcotics and anything else. The I-35 corridor is Mm -hmm. is a big part. So that goes right through Johnson County. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have, you know, fentanyl comes through. We have illegal immigration issues. So it does definitely affect Johnson County, uh, the same as it does pretty much any other county in in texas Mm -hmm. everybody kind of thinks of immigration as being a border county issue and it's it's just not no it's spreading it's spreading everywhere and then it it, it used to just be a texas issue now it's becoming you know deep into the heartland so Mm -hmm. i think it's almost every state issue the expansion i mean there's with any kind of growth there's positives and negatives like you said some people think of johnson as being more rural we're in the in-between kind of tipping point Mm -hmm. We have a lot of farmland a lot of farmers we have a lot of suburban like you indicated Centers are kind of growing up the house is being thrown up like um i think godly is having three thousand houses built like the next six months wow so it just exploded yeah so with that comes a lot of good people moving to johnson county but anytime population goes up just per capita you're gonna have crime go up yeah and so you've got to be willing and able to address that you got to plan for the future mm-hmm. and realize that just by the nature of the growth there's going to be more crime and you have to decide how we're going to suppress that crime to keep it down to a manageable level. I would love to eliminate crime completely, just you and I both know human nature is. Yeah, human
0: nature, yeah. You can't fix. You can't eliminate crime unless you eliminate all humans. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, talking about violent crime, um, a, a friend of mine, very near and dear to my heart, Robin Waddell. Yes, sir. Was killed, murdered by an escapee from prison. That was two, two and a half years ago. It was, yes. Why is it that that case is still sitting around when, as we discussed off camera, the guy confessed to everything. Mm-hmm. What, what is it taking so long to bring that individual to justice?
1: So outside of that case, the criminal justice system, of course, it grinds along slowly. It would be nice if you had a crime was committed on one week after everybody gets the information we try it with, like, in a month. Uh, the volume of cases in Johnson County are tremendously high. Mm-hmm. Uh, tremendously high. The office is understaffed. That's a big issue. Uh, we've had a lot of people leave in the last two years. Uh, we've lost two first assistants in two years.
0: Um, Why is that? It, Tell the truth. It, it, it's it's
1: hard it's hard to say. I think honestly, it's leadership. Okay. I think if you have leadership that plans for the future, then people are likely to stay because they know what the role is in that office, right? Yeah. Uh, that that's one that I think the issues now. why the case with Waddell's case specifically there's been issues with jury selection services Uh, they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing to impanel juries correctly Uh, there's been issues with the current software we've been using for discovery Uh, a lot of things we were just not prepared to handle a case of that size I think who
0: supervises
1: that So jury services or the clerk's office, uh, our software is, of course, you know, our DA's office. There's, you know, there's different blame that can go around. I'm hoping the case goes. It's it's said to go to trial this April, and Mm -hmm. I hope it goes. Uh, I was on that case for the past two years. Uh, Ryan E., the first assistant who's now leaving, he was on the case. Uh, I'm no longer on the case. He's no longer on the case. Uh, The attorneys, I don't know who's trying it now, but I hope they have. You know, some attorneys didn't get this case across the finish mm-hmm. line and get it resolved. Because, like you said, it's been it's been over two years, yeah. And there needs to be resolved.
0: Now, you're running against the sitting district attorney. I am. Who's been there for how long? So
1: he's been in office for 41 years. Uh, he's been in that specific office as a DA for 31 years.
0: Do you think there's a little, uh, you know, entrenchment there that? You know, I we do. we need to move on, get some new thoughts and perspectives. And if I read correctly, there's been some retribution against you for deciding to run for this office.
1: I, th- I think what you're referring to is that when I announced after that, uh, I was let go from the office. I, I expected that probably to happen. Um, I don't you know, I, I've been more than happy to stay on and work this capital case specifically because I've been working for the past two years. Uh, but that- so,
0: so, you're on Robin Waddell's capital case, correct? You announced to be uh, to run for district attorney, yes, which sir. I mean, you have a right to do that. As, as- I, I would think, so, as the constitution, right? Right? Yes. And now you are kicked out of the district attorney's office, which means that someone has to come in and backfill and and be the new uh, prosecutor in this murder case. Correct. So we're starting from ground zero some effect, yes, yes. I don't get it. Help me understand why.
1: Why, well, I don't know if I can help you understand why. I wasn't involved in the process to let me go. <laughs> so I wasn't part of making that decision. Um, to me, it seems I, a poor decision. That seems to be the decision most politicians make though, when you
0: have the power to do things. Ah, politician.
1: That, that's the yeah. best way I could split hairs on that, is that when you have the ability to stop someone from challenging your position and your power, then you you use it and so I guess that's one of the ways to do it is say hey you're not going to work here anymore
0: and power corrupts absolutely and absolutely was the same by Lord Acton mm-hmm. you know to me that's what this case is is about and and so the impetus for you decided that you wanted to do this and seeing that you know there was a potential for this to happen maybe you didn't think it was going to happen being relieved from the office
1: I had a pretty good idea. That that's how that was going to go. Uh, there's always a hope that that's not because
0: mm-hmm.
1: my intent, I made it very clear. If I stay on, I'm not going to undermine, you know, my boss. I'm not going to try to get in front of juries and say, I'm running. Yeah. Uh, i was just going to keep doing my job. Like I've always been doing.
0: That's forever. a violation of your oath. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Uh, so it wasn't my intent to undermine. I made that very clear. Uh, so being let go is, you know, that's his decision. I was, it was explained to me that in Texas at will employment and, uh, I'm at his will, and that was into that. You
0: were out of his will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe so, maybe yeah. so. So what would you do different as the district attorney in Johnson County?
1: Yes, sir. There's a myriad of things. One of the great things about being able to work actually in the office, most time you have a challenger to the incumbent, it's a defense counsel, maybe it's a former judge, but you haven't been in the office to actually see how the day-to-day things run. You can see what works well and what doesn't. Being assistant, you get to be very close to all the decisions, how all the process works. So if I get elected day one, you get to start. You already know it, the people in there, the good people who need to stay. The people who do fantastic jobs mm-hmm. have been under-recognized or under-appreciated. Uh, the processes that need to either be revamped, completely abolished, or the new ones that need to get started. Uh, one of the big things to me is the relationship with law enforcement. It's one of those things that you think of in a conservative county like Johnson County mm-hmm. that the DA's office and the police departments must get along. They must have a really good working mm-hmm. relationship. Particularly over the past two years, I've just seen that deteriorate almost to nothing. I don't see the relationship. And I tell everybody I, I talk to about this is of course somebody running for office is going to try to pick out a topic and say this and say, I don't think it's going well. Fact check me on it. I encourage anybody out there yeah. to go talk to law enforcement. I'm not talking about the top people that have to kind of play political games, but go go to your relying detectives, your line patrol officers and say, Do you feel like the DA's office has your back? Are they taking the cases that you work so hard on and are they really giving them a fair shake or are they just dismissing cases because it's convenient for them to keep the numbers down? So the first thing I think is trying to restore that relationship. You cannot have a safe community unless your law enforcement, the DA's office are co equals. And they work together to achieve the co-equal goal of the safety of the community, which Mm -hmm. is suppression of crime. That'd be the first thing. There's a lot of things in there, modernization of the DA's office. Not much has changed since uh, the current DA took office in 92. Uh, He still doesn't use a computer. He still doesn't use email. Uh, And I, I can only attribute that to be a choice, but that and that's okay to some extent. But when you don't understand how computers work and how computers can be advantageous to do a job better,
0: yeah.
1: then when you have your assistant say, hey, I think we need to get this software because this would make this and this more efficient, it just it seems to fall on deaf ears yeah. because it's not appreciated or understood. The same thing happens with complex co- computer cases. There's pretty much not any type of crime now that's not committed with some kind of digital online presence.
0: Especially child pornography.
1: Especially child pornography, yeah. right? And, you know, I've had situations like that trying to explain, we have an IP address hit for this location, and that's why this is basically, it's a digital fingerprint. Yes. And it just kind of, why well, we need something better than that. Well, no, this, this is the CSI awesome test. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's important that someone in the office understand the digital world and online. I would like to see the ADAs, the assistants, train more. Our training so far, so like, like any profession, we have to go do continuing legal education. Yeah, All we do is go to the basic CLE that happens in Austin every year. Mm-hmm. We don't send our ADAs to specialized training for forensic classes or interrogation classes to so get are at cross-exam. I would like to see a development of the assistance there so that, that way they, can, they can do their job better because they're the ones on the front lines, they're the ones like in Miss Waddell's case, they're going to be the ones that talks that to the jury and convinces them, mm-hmm. like we talked about the confession, there's not even a huge issue about guilt and innocence. The fight there is proving that he's a future danger to the community, yeah. and thus for worthy of death. And so I think a lot of those things need to be addressed within the office.
0: You know, your situation reminds me so much of what we just recently saw with Wayne Lapierre at the National Rifle Association, I used to be on the board of the NRA, because sometimes there's there's a cutoff factor, mm-hmm. and when you're in a position for too long, yes, you start to believe that you're not there to serve others, but. The, the others are there to serve you Absolutely. and you believe that the position is you mm-hmm. uh, and you don't develop some type of secession command to raise up a, a, a the next generation of leadership. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I see happening here. And you've got to be able to move forward. You've got to be able to ad- adapt and, and overcome, as mm-hmm. you know we say in the military. So you get elected. How long do you think that you'll stay in this position? And what would you define as success as a district attorney for Johnson County? Good question. I don't know
1: how long I would stay. I would stay, it's kind of hard to know how long that's gonna take to achieve the different goals. And so I don't wanna stay for 41 years. I don't wanna stay for 31 years. I think that's too long. I think you've got to have, I think the fundamental thing of our conservative movement is like Reagan said, you know, we're just one generation away from losing Mm -hmm. it. If you don't prepare the next generation have a plan for someone else to take up the mantle Mm -hmm. and move on uh then you're failing it becomes about you and it's not about the actual conservative principles that we all claim to espouse and hold um success like within the first four years is you going to see that office staffed fully with with attorneys right now we're incredibly understaffed and that's because for in my opinion we've been trying to hire the same way we've been hiring the past 20 years we're not going out to law school campuses. We have two law schools within a thirty minute drive of uh-huh. the DA's office. Yeah. We've never once gone on campus and put up a table and said, We at the DA's office are hiring. We're looking for prosecutors. Most people here's the thing, but probably people listening to this podcast are gonna say, Johnson County, I don't really know where that is. And that's what I'm hearing from younger people at the law school. I've talked to people you go there and you explain it's just south of Fort Worth, which yeah. is the county right below. Yeah. So you're telling me that I can live where I live in Fort Worth now and commute down 30 minutes and work down there? Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's that barrier. I've heard people say, I think Johnson County is over in the Panhandle or somewhere oh. else. So it's just that basic mm-hmm. education. Plus, there's a lot of benefits to working for a smaller DAs obviously, mm-hmm. than working for a larger like Dallas or Tarrant. Mm-hmm. You get a lot more courtroom experience a lot quicker. Uh, You get to work with different uh, types of juries. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that needs to happen, there needs to be fully staffed, that'd be a success right there. Just getting it up to being fully staffed. Mm -hmm. As well as I would love to implement more software technology specific with the filing system. Mm -hmm. Currently we just file everything paper. The police departments are all digitized, they got body cams. But because we do not keep up with the times, we don't budget for technology they have to print out all these paper packets and walk them down to us and hand us in a big tote, here are your cases. There's every other county that I know around us, Ellis County, Tarrant County, mm-hmm. Parker County, they all use a system you know, called TechShare or something similar mm-hmm. where your agencies can digitally file all their body camps, all the reports down the DA's office and you review those and you say, hey, you're missing this or that or I'd like you to do this additional step before we fully accept it. Yeah. But that is instantaneous and that needs to happen. And so for me, I think being fully staffed, and actually having that integrated where we actually have modern technology that's been used for the past, honestly, 10 years for the other offices in place at the DA's office, just getting up to speed would be the biggest challenge within the first four years.
0: You know, there are a lot of people that watch this podcast that are from outside of Texas. <laughs> yes, sir. So your final question that I'd like for you to address to the, the camera there is, why is this district attorney's race in Johnson County important outside of Johnson County for mm-hmm. the rest of Texas, and then why is it important for the greater United States of America?
1: Yeah. Just hold that thought real
0: fast. i switch lenses here because... I broke it. No, nope. I had somebody want to link this lens. I just called me and said,
1: I'm here and <laughs> they never followed up with me. I just want... Pull up the lens out here real quick. All right.
0: Just a sec. Do I need to re-ask the question? No.
1: No, you're good. it's still recording. Colonel, Winston, I to answer your question. I think naturally the big thing is we've seen prosecutors across the country uh, abuse their power. Uh, we've seen it in multiple ways. We've seen it in the form of what I'll call prosecutorial uh, activism. We're all familiar with activist judges who say, I'm not going to follow the Constitution or follow the law. I'm going to implement what I want to do. DAs all across the country have discretion in the types of cases they take. But that has been been used, you have know, this thinly veiled guise of Well, there's types of laws I don't want to enforce. So you see types of thefts or drug cases that a DA says, oh, we're just not going to enforce that. And that's a clear violation of the oath of any district attorney. The district attorney's job is to enforce the laws, whether he or she likes them or not. That's the duty they're supposed to do. So nationally, why it matters is that every DA across the country needs to be enforcing the laws Passed by the legislator. If the DA doesn't like the law, the DA needs to then run for the legislator and then try to change those laws. It is not his or her job to do that on their own in their own county. Additionally, we've seen the weaponization of the DA system to target high-profile individuals. That is not the point of a DA. A DA is not supposed to be seeking out individuals and say, can I find dirt on somebody? Can I find a way to take somebody down? A DA's job is to look at a case's facts, not the person, and determine what is the just thing to do? What does the law require me to do? That is the correct role of the DA. Specifically to Johnson County and also Somerville County, since the 18th district covers both counties, we just need to change. We deserve to have something different. We deserve to be up to a modern standard. We deserve that both counties are treated equally. Right now, there seems to be a disparity in the way the resources are used between both counties. Uh, that needs to change. We need to be realizing that crime evolves. That crime the criminals are inventive. They use technology. They do whatever they can to try to avoid apprehension and prosecution. And if we have a DA's office that is not focused on that and trying to be up to date, up to speed with what criminals are cr- currently trying to do, we're going to be behind the times. And we're also not going to be able to present to you, when you're on a jury, the information you need to. Because the burden is beyond a reasonable doubt. You're being asked the state, the government is bringing charge against an individual citizen. You're being asked is this citizen guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. If the DA's office can't come with the information that you need to make that decision, we have failed you. We have failed the system. So we deserve a change. We deserve to meet the modern demand of what where criminals where they practice where they apply their trade which is in the digital world and we need to be ready to face that we also need to work for law enforcement law enforcement deserves to know that their DA will have their back their district attorney is going to support them and see them as an equal and not as a burden or hindrance to them and that respects that the work they put into cases is valuable and looks at each case not based on this is gonna increase the number of cases I have to try a process but because this case deserves justice that's why I think we need to change.
0: Well, I gotta tell you, I wish you were my district attorney in Dallas County. I appreciate that. Because everything that you just articulated, we got the opposite. We have this, you know, ideologue right. and someone that is using their prosecutorial discretion to implement that agenda and, and that's just
1: wrong. That's fundamentally
0: wrong. It's a violation of your oath. It is. You know, you're supposed to be about the rule of law. And do you have an opponent in the general election? I do not. So, this is March 5th, is the election.
1: It is just, so, we're both on the Republican ticket. Yeah. So, whoever wins March 5th, it is winner take all. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people want to learn more about my, about my campaign. Mm-hmm. It's goodforda.com. Uh, uh,
0: that's a pretty appropriate title, Good for DA. Yes, sir. Well, you have. The steadfast in law, the Colonel Allen West endorsement and full that. support, uh, and I see in you a, a, a great future, Attorney General of Texas or, or whatever at the next level. But we've got to start developing your type of young talent in that field. And so I thank you for taking the time to be here with us today, Timothy. Good for District Attorney of Johnson County. I appreciate you. Thank you. You got it. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Steadfast and Law podcast. If you like this episode, if you understand how important it is to get out there and support your district attorneys and their races, because the left does, and that's why we see so many of these Soros-backed district attorneys in all of our major urban population centers to include right here in the state of Texas. So please click the like button, share it with others, and until next time, steadfast and loyal
1: forward